Welcome to the You Bet Smart Podcast. Uh, I am Scott. Got Jake with me. How you doing, Jake? Doing great. How you doing, Scott? <laughs> uh, I'm doing pretty good. Um, let's get to our $10,000 bankrolls just off to the off the top of the show. Yeah. How's your bankroll doing, Jake? Uh, my bankroll is currently up $17,916. So basically a, an ROI of 179%. So, nice. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm just gonna introduce you right now. We have a guest in the studio, Brandon from Brandon Matthew Putters. Yep. How you doing, Brandon? Great. So thanks, I, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming in. I wanted to let you know what's going on. So <laughs> we just talk about ten thousand dollar bankrolls. Jeez, we have seventy nine percent. That's that's a that's a great awesome. return, right? Yeah, the totally. ROI on that is insane. That's only in three months too, or four yes. months? Almost four, yeah, roughly. Yeah, four. Yeah, so we got two. I started a $10,000 bankroll. Jake started a $10,000 bankroll. And so combined for $20,000 and we're trying to get to a million dollars and we're giving ourselves five years to do it. This is real money? 10000 actual dollars or is like a like a point type of dollar? It's a hypothetical oh, okay. because we're in California and it's illegal to bet oh. in California. <laughs> wink, wink. So it is hypothetical. Awesome. But, you know, maybe we're doing it too. You never know. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So your your $10,000 bankroll is at 27000 Just under 28000 Yeah, but $27,000. And my $10,000 bankroll has taken a dive, Brandon. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I had mine all the way up to over... It, it was at 33000 and I'm down to 21000 So in the last two to three weeks, I've lost like 12000 on my bankroll. Which is probably like one of the worst runs I've ever had in my betting history. But you're still up. But 100%. still up. Yeah, I was gonna say. Still up. That's what Jake always says. Yeah, Jake's like, yeah. dude, you're up over a hundred percent in what five months? I started mine in November, um, but still, it hurts. It hurts a lot. <laughs> it hurts to go down that much, especially when it's on such a steep decline. But I have stopped the bleeding. The bleeding has stopped in the last five days. It's been. It's leveled off. And I've checked everything again. I mean, there's nothing that I'm going to do different because, I mean, it's basically like a robot that does it. I just have to, like, check to make sure the robot's doing the right thing. But um, I feel like I was telling Chris yesterday, by the way, Chris, Chris is here again. How's we, it going? we can't get rid of him. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, yes, everything is rolling. We are rolling. Um, yeah, we. I was telling Chris yesterday that I feel like it's going to, take back off and uh i had a we, i had a ton of soccer bets this morning and i was looking at i was going to go up like plus five units and i lost one on like the 92nd minute and it and that was one of the two stars so it went from like five to like negative one might have been a three star i don't know how that i think my numbers are off but i went from positive to negative just on one goal in the 92nd minute but that's that's the way my my story's been rolling lately. Yeah, it happens. I, <clears throat> the other day, I recommended under. Uh, I, it was like six and a half strikeouts, and he he got it in like thirty pitches or something. The first six outs were strikeouts. <laughs> I'm like, is that right? This guy's killing it. So yeah, sometimes it when you lose, you lose badly. But <laughs> I don't know. We're on a, a really good run together, and I think we're up uh, two over two hundred percent now. So. We're still up over 200%. Yeah. And that, that guy was killing it. 
but uh, but we're still killing it. Yeah, exactly. On our bankroll. So I think our twenty thousand dollar bankroll is around fifty seven thousand, something around there, and that's in three months. We still have four years and nine months to get there. <laughs> so I think we're I think I think we're doing fine. Yeah, I think we're doing fine. Sounds like my Dogecoin. <laughs> I was at the top. It was gonna get to a dollar. Yeah, I was like, I'm gonna wait. Should have sold it. Should have sold it. Just wait for some more Elon Musk tweets. <laughs> it's gone. It's definitely gone back up, but yeah. it's so minuscule now. I'm like, I don't even pay attention to it. My dad was like, you still got that Dogecoin? I'm like, ah, somewhere. <laughs> Binance, my app maybe, but yeah, it's funny. That's what I told my wife. We were into Ripple and XRP. We got pretty deep into that. And I told her like, don't... She started looking at the app like every day. Oh, like, yeah. where is it at? I'm like, you can't do that. This is... <laughs> we're just going to put this what? in there and it's in for the long game. Yeah. Because if, if, if you think about like Bitcoin or cryptocurrency, it, if it works, it means that something happened to regular currency and we need to use this currency for a purpose. Yeah. So that's going to happen out in the future. You know, it's not going to happen tomorrow. I had some Bitcoin and uh, thank God I sold it when it was at like 42,000 and and then it tanked like the next week. And I was like, <laughs> I know what I'm doing. Right. But I still have no idea like how it works, to be honest. I just put money in. I'm like, oh, Venmo has a crypto button. <laughs> I'll buy that. that. That's easy enough, right? Yeah. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> well, yeah. uh I don't feel bad for you guys because I had like 15 grand on Voyager and I had a bunch of uh, crypto on there and now I can't touch my money for her. It keeps getting someone keeps trying to buy it. And then when it comes, gets to the end, they're like, oh, it actually Sam, that guy that went under for uh, Sam, Friedman. Sam Friedman, what his company was going to buy at FTX. But now it's another one is and it's in bankruptcy and they're supposed to get it sold. So hopefully I'll get my money back, but I doubt it. So what happened with Voyager? It went, they became like insolvent. They were, I, I don't know what exactly what they did, but I'm, I'm probably what most places are doing is they're using customers' deposits to trade other assets. Kind of like what Friedman did. Exactly. I okay. don't know if Voyager did, did exactly that, but there was a run on them and they didn't have the money to pay people. And so they had to file for bankruptcy. So, <laughs> Damn. yeah. So I got so your money's money. just sitting in there. I could see still. it. I could see it, but I can't pull it out. <laughs> I'm, I'm in the same boat. Yeah, Jake, I have money on that yeah. site. I have money on Binance and Coinbase. Thankfully, Coinbase is fine. And Binance, I don't feel comfortable having money on uh, a Chinese website. But That's where all my Dogecoin is, is on Binance. Oh, okay. Yeah, all my Bitcoin and um, crap. What else did I buy? Uh, what's that other one? It was only selling it like Ethereum. Ethereum. Yeah. 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 I sold that at like 3500 and then it tanked like 1200 and then like 900 Damn, so, you got out on all those woo. at the right time. <laughs> I don't know why. I just had this feeling, dude. I saw it like doing this and I was like, I'm out. There you go. Thank God. Nice. That's the same. What happened to you guys with Voyager is the same thing that I feel with some of these websites that we're betting on sports with that are in Argentina, like betonline.ag. And I don't want to call these websites out, but I'm gonna. Um they could just take our money anytime. It happened to me and Jake when we were betting player props. They told us that we were a, a betting syndicate <laughs> out of Gambling Huntington Circle. Beach, California. Yeah. And they yeah. took our money out of our account. They didn't even leave it in there and teased us yeah. like they're doing with Voyager. They just took the money out and said, we're taking your money. Yeah. And that's what could happen. So that's why like, I, I really want to get betting legal in California. I think in the in the 
near future in two to three weeks we have a lawyer coming on we have a lawyer coming on and we're going to talk about he doesn't deal in um in sports betting but i told him about it he's like i'll research everything i need to research on it so we got to get some questions together but he has already like been researching it he's like he already feels like he could talk about it a lot but we need some more specific questions for him so yeah well i can't wait for that episode um can't wait to talk to him, but yeah, we do need to get to uh, we need to get legality in California yeah. for sports betting. It's nerve wracking. Like if you even mention like like your Venmo stuff, if you even like mention gambling, they'll like freeze your account and they'll take the money too. And, and, and PayPal, Venmo, anytime I get money in there and I get a lot of payments through like Venmo and even like Square, I immediately pull it and put it into my bank account. Yeah, like I don't trust it at all. PayPal screwed me over like years ago. I don't know, twenty years ago, like a chargeback. But I did the work. So somebody like scammed me and it like froze my account. They took all my money and they wanted me to pay back. And I'm like, you know, fuck you guys. Like, I'm not paying this. I was like 12, 20 years old. And so now I'm like, once it's in, I'm like, it's gone. I'll pay the instant deposit fee. There's something (laughs) there's something about gambling that just like scares these robots or these platforms, the social media platforms. We tried to put out an ad on Twitter and we got rejected. Yeah. So we're trying to figure that out. (laughs) See what maybe we can do it with Instagram. Maybe we can talk about that a little bit later. But talking about social media, um, don't forget to check us out on social media at you bet smart on Twitter, TikTok, Discord, Instagram. Instagram and YouTube at you bet smart. That's the letter U bet smart. Uh, check us out on there. Speaking of social media, Brandon Matthew Putters. Yeah, I, I, I checked them out on Instagram. Those putters are amazing. Thanks. They're really cool. You got two of them sitting right there. I'm jealous. I want to steal one. Um, what like what made you want to create putters? Well, I'm left handed and uh, anybody listening that's left-handed knows there's just there's no equipment for lefties. Even today, with how popular golf is, and guys like Phil Mickelson, you can't get the equipment in left-handed. You want a specific driver? Oh, you want the 440 head? Sorry, they don't make it in left-handed. Like still today, um, it's like Scotty Cameron was. You know, he's like the big putter manufacturer. Twenty-five different models. Like three will be available in left-handed, and so that was kind of like. This is almost like a spite company because I was so fed up with with Scotty Cameron not putting anything out. I collected Scotty's in left-handed, like mint condition every year since before he was with Titleist. And he was coming out with a new Terillium. And I was like, that's a copper face putter. And I'm like, oh, I can't wait to get this. He didn't make one in left-handed. And I just said, that's it. I'm fucking <laughs> done with this. So what I was doing was I was actually taking like left-handed Scotties and I was cutting like plumber necks off because that's about all you could find for for lefties. And I was like welding on um, like flow necks, you know, things with a little more toe hang, uh, just things that you could get right-handed, but you couldn't get left-handed. And it got so popular, like all these lefties are hitting me up like, oh, can you do that for me? Oh, can you do that for me? And I was charging like peanuts to like refinish these putters and then and then weld them on. And I wasn't even welding. I like take them to a welder. Like this is what I want. And uh, one day somebody's like, dude, you make good stuff and you stamp really well. You should start your own brand. And I was like, who just starts like a, a golf company, like a brand like that? And uh, I just happened to be working for another company and I went to a machine shop to pick some stuff up and I had like a putter with me. And I was like, you think you could make something like this if I designed it and, you know, like give you a like a step file or a CAD file? And they're like, yeah, no problem. But it, was a problem. I mean, it took him forever to get me like a prototype, but 
I did eventually get going using another company at first. And then um, when I launched Brandon Matthew, then it was me milling. And uh, it started off slow, but I, I had this following of people that knew my refinishing and uh, oh, I'll give it a shot. And I was charging like 400 bucks. And I was like, oh man, maybe I could ask 450 for a putter. And I was like nervous to do it. But the sales started coming in. Um, I started getting really popular. My hand stamping is is kind of what's on point for me. It's uh, I'm just very meticulous. Um, I don't let anything go out of the door that uh, I don't think is perfect. So even if I'm stamping and I mess something up, I'll weld it shut, I'll grind it down, and I'll restamp it just so it's perfect. And there's a lot of companies that don't do that. There's there's a lot of uh, boutique companies that make beautiful putters. They machine them. You know, once you learn how to machine, you can machine anything you want. But it's that stamping and that style that they lack on. And that's why their stuff isn't as popular. So, um, you know, it just kept building and building. And all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, I'm going to charge 500. Oh, I'm going to charge 550. But, you know, it just kept going up and I kept getting more popular. But people don't realize, like, what goes into making something like that. It's, it's you know, the raw materials, steel prices have gone up. So when I say something like, it's a thousand dollars and they're like, Oh my God. It's like, you know, I get people like that and I get people to go, Oh, it's only a thousand. Oh geez. I was going to spend three with you. And I'm like, <laughs> damn. <laughs> but yeah. And, and uh, you know, I was in marketing before I was a creative director. And um, so everything, uh, everything was well thought out before I launched the logo. It was like, can I put it on a coin? Can I stamp it on a putter? Can it be on a hat? Can it be on a shirt? Is it going to look good like this? Is it going to look good upside down? And and when I came out with the, it's so funny because most people see like an M when they see the logo, but I see a B mainly. It's but it's a combo. It's a B and an M tilted. So um, you know, it's it, everything. Like even my signature, it's like I I, I went through, you know, a hundred different varied ways to to stamp it out. I mean to to write it out, and um, eventually it, it like it came out pretty good. There's like a little hidden left-handed putter in there. Oh yeah! Right oh there. yeah! I see it now. Oh, yeah, I see that too. Yeah, little little All stupid right. things like that, and then you know now it looks good on shirts and and stuff like that, and um and it's continuing to grow up. This is my fourth year. I started in in twenty twenty. Yeah, going in this will be the fourth year. Okay. Yeah, uh, I count I, that out. I mean, you <laughs> talked about Scotty Cameron. They that's the first thing I thought of when I saw it because you yeah. brought two putters in. Mm-hmm. Is this looks like a Scotty? It has the feel of a Scotty Cameron putter. Is that what you kind of went for? Or I know you're I mean, doing there, your own thing. Yeah. I mean, there's no denying that Scotty Cameron is like this huge staple in, in custom putters. Um, but in reality, it's like Karsten Solheim from Ping back in the, you know, like the 60s that really created the blade style putter that you see today. The most frustrating thing is when I do show my stuff online, you always get these people that are like, oh, you're just copying Scotty Cameron. Oh, it's a it's a copy of this. And I'm like, you mean like. Scotty copied Karsten Solheim like he really copied him like like it, it's so frustrating because if you look at a wedge from Titleist and you look at a wedge from Callaway it's a wedge that's what a wedge looks like these are what blade putters look like it's a modern style it's the most scientifically sound way to make a blade and uh that's just the way it is patents expire you're allowed to use this stuff that's how things grow and that's how people make better things and it's so frustrating to get these little messages like, oh, you mean Scotty Cameron? And I'm just like, these fucking people. You know, it's like I try to I try to hold my tongue. But yeah, I'm, like, yeah. I'm going to reply back to this guy. And one time a guy's like, I talked a little shit back and he's like, 
oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, <laughs> sorry about that. And I was like, oh, I did. I well, that's good that he said that though. Yeah, I because really most surprised. people might still keep on like yeah. coming at you. But it's like, oh, you know, Titleist comes out with a new driver, and they don't go, oh, he copied the old driver. It's like that's just what a driver looks like, and so it's very frustrating. But they are they are very similar to what he does in his tour stuff. Um, I don't make any generic putters, so nothing that's like on the shelf. 450 bucks. Everything is a one-off custom made for you. So when somebody orders with me, they go to the website. There's a form there. What model are you looking at? What material do you want? What kind of neck do you want? Um, What kind of milling on the face? What kind of sight line do you want? Or a dot or a star or a heart, whatever. Um, Any specialty things. You want weights in there. Do you want a copper face? So they fill out this entire form and then it gets sent in and then we go over the form, we reply back, and we give them pricing based on their their selection. And then um, we create a template, like a design template, and then that's it. Then it gets in line, and then when it's ready, we mill it on the mill, stamp it out, or however they want it, you know, uh, decorated, and and that's it. So it's it's more in tune with like Scotty Cameron tour department stuff, not the off the rack stuff. But you know, it's I think it's better. They look- I, I've had people tell me that they've been on um, Ping staff and Scotty Cameron staff and they love my stuff. It just rolls better. And I think it's just because there's a little more care involved. You know, it's like the, it won't go out of the door unless I'm like super stoked with it. So, yeah, it sounds like it because you would even redo it even yeah. if, you, if you if you messed up. I've got a box. I mean, it's loaded 100 pounds worth of steel of old putters that like um, just didn't make the cut, you know. The worst part is when you're like almost done and you fuck something up and you're just like, you know, something that can't be fixed, something on a bumper on the bottom. You could weld it shut, you know, steel's an amazing material. You can you can weld something and liquefy it and grind it off and you would never know that it was even touched is because it's it's one again. Um, But there's certain parts, flange, cavity, stuff like that, that it's just, you know, it's not going to look good with a little bit of you know, extra sanding somewhere or, you know, double stamping. And it's just like, fuck, into the bin, pull another one, start over. Wow. And, and so sometimes I make them in an hour and a half and sometimes I make them in five days. Is that so right? Just, yeah. It's just, <laughs> are those lefties? Are those no, both lefties? Are the lefties are righties? righties. As much as I oh, yeah, yeah. like to promote left-handed putters, it's a very minimal market. So my whole thing was, oh, I'm in a corner of the left-handed market. If you're a lefty, you come to me, I'll take care of you, which I do. But in the reality of it is 90% of my sales are right-handed. And and you have to, you know, uh, adjust for that. The part that pisses me off is it's as simple as flipping the program to make a left-handed putter. Now I have fixtures and stuff that we make that hold the, the steel in place and all that. So you know, that that's like a, an added cost, but there's nothing in here that that says I can't make lefties like these other big companies. Like it's pathetic to me that they're not making it in left-handed. So, but most of my stuff is right-handed. There's a right-handed number two. That's my model number two. That would be like an answer to um, style head. It's more modern. It's more square. It has a trisole. So it's kind of like this, then flat, and then back up. This one's got a copper insert in there. Um, All that hand stamping on the bottom. It's all freehand. So it's one at a time. Why do copper instead of like any other metal insert? Is there a reason for that? Copper's softer. So, oh, so like it feels when it hits, so when the ball comes off, right. it feels softer. So some people really like a clicky feel. Like Tiger Woods putter has no milling on it. 
it's solid, it's click, and, and they like that sound feedback. There's, there really is a reason for everything. This one has a deep milling on it, so it's a little denser, so it's going to have more of a thunk to it. You know, like mm-hmm. when you're hitting the ball, it's thunk, and if it was no milling on it, it would be like a click. And so some people like to hear the different things, and they like that the feel, the softness. Now, this just has a copper insert in the back. It's just decorative, so it has a steel face and steel milling. Gotcha. Um, something like this, this is my number one. So this is a more traditional shape. This is like very old school. This is what a lot of, uh, you know, like Jordan Spieth plays something similar to this. Um, This is carbon steel. So it's softer than stainless. That's 303 stainless steel. Uh, This is 1018 carbon steel. So um, and it has a finer milling right here. So this will have more of a clickier sound to it. It's still very soft, but the, the carbon steel head makes it even softer. So you just, you know, it's explosive off the face, but it just feels like when you nut a ball with an iron, you know, or, or, or a driver, you just have that feeling that it's pure. Um, you know, that's that's what I go for with like this type of milling and then in the softer faces. So. Do you have styles that have the inserts on the face? Yep. And yep. what what type of inserts copper. do you use? Co- just copper. OK. Yeah. And, I, and it, because that's what. Why is why do you put copper on the face? Like it's just it's a softer metal. Okay. So like you could literally like, I mean you could dent it with your hand if you tried hard enough. Okay. I mean so it's it just it's for the guy that really wants that soft feel with the ball. Yeah. And uh, and I I love the way it feels because it is explosive off the face, but it doesn't feel like it's much effort to get it out there. So um, how many different styles of putters do you have? Four. Are they all blades? I have one that's uh, we call it a wide body or a wide blade. It is like a number two like this, but it's probably about this much wider. It comes out like an like an oval. No, Com- it's square. Oh. OK, it's square. It's square. Oh, OK. Yeah. Um, it's what I play, actually. And and I should have brought one. But um, why do you like that one? You know, it's uh, these putters. I didn't reinvent the wheel making these blades this is a, a you know it does have my touch on it obviously but what you did do sorry to cut you off no. but what you did do is you put your own style on it and they yeah. they feel like they feel custom yeah. when i looked at it that's the first thing i thought of is that they're custom because you got the stamp then also the grips the yeah. grips are I, I you don't see that grip in mini putters you know at first i had rubber grips this is uh leather stitch back so here's it's all hand stitched here it does have uh, like an emboss of my logo and the signature right here. And, and really what it came down to was uh, I, these are expensive putters and a $4 Chinese rubber grip just isn't cutting it. Most people probably take these off because it does it does take uh, you have to get used to this kind of feel. Um, but leather kind of breaks in like an old mitt. It doesn't like rubber grips start like getting really slick and you have to replace them more often. Uh, I think these break in, but, you know, it just came to play. I wanted something quality and the, the head covers are the same thing. Where'd the other one go? So they're, you know, genuine leather. Um, you know, it's got this plush interior magnets in here that close it up. Uh, so it stays on the patch. You know, it's they're just when you get it, you're not thinking this is some cheap crap from Dick Sporting Goods. It's like you're like, I paid a thousand dollars for this putter and it feels like a thousand dollars, you know. Um, most of the necks are welded, you know, so it's one piece, uh, head and then the neck separate. And the reason we do that is a lot of people do different types of necks. They'll do flow necks. They'll do slant necks. They'll do short slant necks. They'll do long neck plumbers necks. 
And um, to mill it out in one piece is possible. Obviously, we do it. Um, but you just waste so much material. And material is so expensive right now, especially in California. That um, I like the weld. People like the weld. They think it looks more custom, and it is. My hands are on this putter 100%. So You can see it, too. I mean, I'd, I'm probably going to buy one. <laughs> I didn't want to say that on there, but um, can I hit a shank on this conversation real quick? Yeah. You guys had a story by you guys. I mean, Brandon and Chris, you guys had a Vegas story that you that happened like 20 years ago. Can you like enlighten us yeah, on that story? Yeah, I'll well, let Brandon tell it. Me and Chris go back. I mean, 25, 26 years. Yeah. And me and Jake go back even further. Our parents played softball. I think we were probably seven, eight years old. Yeah. I, Very I, young. Yeah. I've known him for a long yeah, time. Yeah. I mean, we like played army and shit yeah. together. It was like, it was pretty funny. But but um, when I was 21-ish, I was uh, in a lot of TV stuff. Um, I did a couple of TV shows for like, ga- like gambling shows, poker shows. And this is what it was like really exciting. Like they were doing like... Caesars 24-7 and all that stuff. It's like Chris Moneymaker, like when it all hit, exactly. when it came out. Exactly. So um, I was playing a lot of craps back then. Now, we didn't have a dollar to our name. I mean, it's so funny to think that we would travel from California to Vegas with literally like, I had 300 bucks in my pocket. That's to get a room, to gamble a little bit. I mean, it was like insane. Like I think <laughs> I had 100 that. bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I think that that trip, we didn't even have a place to stay. And one of the best things about being young and in Vegas and having a good time is you just find some chicks late <laughs> and you <laughs> they ask like, I think that night they were like, where are you guys staying? And we're like, we don't even have a room yet. We just showed up. We're going to have a good time. We're going to probably get one tonight. Oh, it's like two in the morning. Just stay with us. Oh, are you sure about that? Okay, we'll stay with you guys. <laughs> That's the, you know, yeah. was that, that was that weekend, right? Yeah, that was that weekend. It was so funny, but <clears throat> excuse me. So Chris had never played craps. And I was playing it a ton back then. And as funny as it sounds, I do believe there is a science to rolling the dice by putting certain numbers up and certain numbers on the outside and consistently rolling. I roll, I throw this way. I try to hit one hop, hit the back and land. And by tumbling the dice a certain way, you're kind of eliminating numbers. That's the theory behind it. Um, you know, okay. obviously, I, I can six, envision that six, yeah. seven and eight comes up the most. Right. So if you can eliminate the numbers that land up top, that are those combos, most often threes and fours for, you know, seven twos, stuff like that, you could start hitting more hard ways and you can start hitting more mm-hmm. points. So he has no idea how to play. I said, let's go. We're at Mandalay Bay. And it's like. It's like the one table, and I think the minimum was fifteen bucks or something. Yeah, but the first thing you told me too is like we're gonna go to a table with someone that has a lot of money because if someone that has a lot of money, they know oh, yeah. like they know how to roll too. So we yeah. get a couple people that know how to roll at the table. So found this. Uh, it was like I'm pretty sure it was a big black dude. Like yeah. it was like early 2000s. So he's like dressed like <laughs> Nelly, like everything but like the bandaid under chains. his eye, yeah, chains, big everything. Chains. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. was definitely a rapper of yeah. some kind. <laughs> Successful, but he had a lot of money. I yeah. think he had at least 10 grand out there. So. And he probably and, had a lot of personality too. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah. So I said, all right, just follow my lead. We're just going to play the pass line. We'll play some hard ways. We're going to roll some points. We're going to put our money out and we're just going to scoop it up and we'll just keep rotating. And um, I mean, I think I rolled 
second or first? Do you I remember? Think, no, I went first because <laughs> I was new, and they're yeah. like, let him roll yeah. first. Yeah, and I rolled first, and I went for shit what seemed like 10 minutes yeah <laughs> like we, we were we were yeah. we were putting points and then we were hitting points we weren't sevening out we're just hitting point after point i think he finally sevened out yeah and we were up we turned i turned my 300 into probably with him i think i was eight or nine hundred bucks maybe a thousand bucks we were rolling pretty good did you show chris how to roll it yeah you were yeah, yeah. So, so you showed me, yeah showed me what i can do. only yeah. like imagine you guys like well you didn't have a room so yeah. it must have been in the lobby and you're like showing like the i just explained <laughs> the way i think yeah yeah you I, said like put them on these numbers and yeah. and then throw like try this. to throw it like that gotcha. hit yeah. that one bounce and go so then it comes to my role and um I'm just hitting point after point and hard ways like fucking crazy. And sooner or later we look down, I've got like, I don't know, five, five, five. I think I had, I had like five grand in front of me. Wow. Chris has like 3,500 bucks. How how long did that take to get to that point? About an hour. Yeah. Yeah. 45 (laughs) minutes, an hour maybe. And just to explain to everybody what's a hard way. Uh, like so five, five, four, four. A double. uh, Yeah. A double. Okay. Two, two. Yeah. It's two of the same. Okay. And they pay 10 to one. So, okay. um, yeah, so we're going to hit hard ways. Like our point would be 10 and we'd be hitting hard ways to get the points. We're getting paid on the hard way. We're getting paid on the pass line. We're getting paid on the numbers up top. And like, we're just hitting six and eights and fours and we're, and we're playing field bets and just all this shit. I'm at like five grand. Jeez. He's at like 3500 bucks. And we're just like, this is the most money we've ever had. Like, the, and that <laughs> other dude that the black dude had like 30 grand out there. Uh, like, yeah, I know. He got, was, he yeah. was up, he was up at least 50 K. Was yeah. he following you guys? Was no, he piggybacking? Yeah, he's playing or? his own thing, but, but he was also hitting. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, you're yeah. Hitting Cause we're, we're playing the same game. He's just putting his own bets out there. Yeah. yeah but yeah. he knows how to play. He knows what's up. I mean, he's like, we're, um, we're rolling and he's like doing the, like, you know, <laughs> he's like, he's snapping <laughs> when, when the, when the dice drop. I think I eventually seven out. I'm up like five grand or 4,500 maybe. Yeah. He's up like three or 35. And the black dude goes, he's like, yo, nice rolling. And he throws me like a fucking $500 chip. He chipped us both off $500. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, you just made me a lot of money. (laughs) Here you go. And we're like, this is the best ever. (laughs) Oh, my God. And then we went back to that those chicks room and we fucking crashed out and we had some fun in between. We went and shot guns. We so, shot machine guns. Yeah, we shot machine guns. We're like, got to pump the brakes on the story here. <laughs> so the girls were with you at the craps table no. the whole time. No, we hadn't oh. gotten to them yet, actually. Oh, yeah. okay. We okay. had just rolled into town. Okay. And I'm like, and you went let's make some money so we can get a room. And okay. then I think we met them at like, I don't know, House of Blues or something. Some, it's one of those bars in, in there. And then we were having fun. Like everybody was having a good time. And they were like, where are you guys staying? So you made a bunch of money. And then you you said, hey, let's go to a bar yeah. and get some drinks. Yep. And then the girls showed up and they brought machine guns. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember where they were from. Yeah. Wisconsin or something. Yeah. They were there for, you know, a girl's trip. And they're like, we're staying at Delano, which I think was the hotel back then. Yeah. And we're like, oh, well, we don't know. We're probably just going to go next door. Maybe we're just going to get a room for the night. And then they're like, no, no, stay with us. I mean, they were probably like, let's find some dudes to bring. Back. You know what I mean? It's sure. Like, hey, we, yeah, it's we Vegas. Sati- we satisfied each other's. It's Vegas, you, know, you guys are in your early yeah. 20s. This yep. is what happens. I just want to know when the guns come into play. I, I think we, it was the next the, day. The next day we yeah. got up. We're, we're like, where can we spend yeah. this money? <laughs> we like, couldn't. Where can and, we find- we, and we couldn't spend it. We ended up shooting guns. I machine guns. I shot like the Dirty Harry gun. Yeah. Um, well, we hold went, on. How did you find the guns? Did they, you call no, the guy a, from the Caps? No, they have shooting ranges. No, they got like the big billboard. 
backyard. Yeah. Or you're like, let's shoot, go shoot. shoot yeah. Machine guns yeah. here. <laughs> okay. We okay. bought okay. guns and went to the desert. Yeah. <laughs> I thought the guy from the crafts table was like, hey, you guys want to go shooting <laughs> tomorrow? Or? Yeah. So we, uh, that was what we did the next day. And then we went to dinner and then we played some more craps, got yeah. up a little bit more. I think uh, you left with like six or seven yeah. and I left with, I think, four. Yeah. Okay. From 200 and 300. Yeah. To, and and like to no room yeah. to a room. <laughs> yeah. And that's like, if we don't make this money, like we don't have gas money to get back. It was like that kind of situation. We're living in Vegas yeah. for the yeah. rest of our life. Yeah. So we drive back and it's Thanksgiving morning and uh, I'm I, he drops me off in my apartment and um, like my buddy calls me and he's like, hey, you want to go to Vegas? And I'm like, dude, I just got back. I'm like the best craps player ever. <laughs> so I leave like 600 bucks back at my place for rent because rent was coming up. And I drive back out to Vegas with them and we check into the room. I go down and they didn't go with me, I don't think, because uh, I don't remember them being there because of what happened next. (laughs) I lost all that money, like thirty five hundred in like an hour. Because you didn't, you didn't yeah. have the guy like snapping the, yeah. right. snapping the I, roll. I didn't have Brandon. Like I, I, I think I was playing right still, but it's all a blur exactly how I lost. I just remember. I think I was betting too big and not pulling back. Yeah. And and then I ended up with too much money on the table. And that's the thing about craps. Uh, you don't want to end up with too much money on the table and you crap out and then yeah. it's all gone. Yeah, yeah. So you went home and said, I'm an expert at craps, and then drove right back yeah, to Vegas. Yeah, I ate, ate Thanksgiving with my story. family and drove back out. Same day. <laughs> same day. Same, exact, same yeah, day. Same so day. four hours back, oh, wow. three hours home, and then left four hours back. So I I had lost <laughs> 3,500 in probably 12 hours from I get, the point I left Vegas, yeah. got home, came back. I had lost them all. <laughs> I can envision you like at the family table and everybody goes around and says what they're thankful for. And you're like, I'm thankful for dice. Yeah. For dice, dice dude. Yeah. Dice are the- <laughs> I actually, we did one other Vegas trip that was pretty funny that I just thought of. He brought suits with him and we're like, He's like, he's like, we should pretend we're some. And I don't know who came with the idea. And we're like, we're going to pretend Brandon just got drafted for for baseball. And I'm his agent. That's so funny. (laughs) And it worked. (laughs) People fucking believed us. And uh, we won money again that time, too. I think we were playing craps that time. There's so many trips. We went to Vegas so often. I've got pictures of us like we were fucking kids. You know what I mean? I'm convinced that I think you were with us. It may have been, I know JR was there, and it may have been Ryan Stemmer. I can't remember, but I'm convinced that we started the um, like panhandling of characters on the strip. Because we were, were you with us? We were at the Flamingo Pool, and um, we were like staying down at Excalibur or something, and we left the pool and we stole the towels. So we're walking down the strip, three guys, and we were all in good shape in just towels. We had bathing suits on underneath and we're getting stopped every two minutes to take pictures with people <laughs> and take pictures with chicks. Yeah. It was so funny. Were, were, was that you? I don't think that I was think me, it, but I, I remember think it that was story. JR, me and yeah. Stemmer. Yeah. I mean, you guys were there. So but- I was never in great shape. So I don't think I'd be walking down the strip. <laughs> sure it was so funny. And I'm like, we should be charging for this. And we were like Chippendales. It was so funny. So it, many good trips. That's the great thing about Vegas. Like us living in Southern California is that we could just get a four hour trip drive to Vegas and have a great time. I have a lot of great Vegas stories too. I woke up in the suburbs one time (laughs) 
I'll tell that story another yeah. time. It's like a 20 minute story. Yeah. So we got to do that for another podcast. I, I, it, I could go. It's like unbelievable. Like I could go on and on. Like I was there last week. I was there four days ago. I've been looking at houses out there, believe it or not. Have you? Yeah. We've been looking at offices just to put a computer up so we can place our bets. Yeah. Oh, nice. It's through there because yeah. you can do it in Vegas. I have. A, I yeah. probably shouldn't say that on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you get your corporation in Vegas. My dad, his business is incorporated in Vegas. Yeah, That's but just, I don't we, think anybody cares. We, so I think yeah, we have to put like a server or something out. Like it literally just needs to be the smallest room we can find that we could rent and put a computer <laughs> in it. <laughs> and so we log into that computer to place the bets. Get one of those kiosks in the mall. <laughs> I keep on picturing like us like renting out an office and like people keep... Because you, when you rent out offices, it's in a big building and there's other people like yeah. working in the building and they just like pass that office every day and they just see like a computer that sometimes <laughs> turns on. <laughs> and they're just like, what the hell? Everybody in the office is talking about this office. Who's in there? Yeah. It must be a casting couch. <laughs> no, but yeah, but we've been looking. We looked at a house. Uh, yeah. A couple weeks ago. Um it's oh, so just, you're serious about this? I am. I love the heat. I love the desert. My so you like this office? <laughs> I, I'm dripping right now. You see me? You're at, you're at home. You're going to have to wash these headphones. Like <laughs> uh, yeah, no, you know what? It's just there's no state income tax there. Um, it's Henderson is ranked like the safest city in America, believe it or not. And you can buy a house on an acre lot, like a huge house. The house we looked at out there was... 1.5 million they won't get that we looked at it anyway if it was sitting where my house is right now it would be like 5 million it's like unbelievable these properties and if you could tolerate the heat which i can i grew up going to the river i lived in arizona when i was in flight school um i'm fine with it my wife is very fair-skinned and i think she will probably die if we move there also, the school districts are crap. So I'm worried about my six year old. Like, but the, the, I mean, the facilities were all nice and new. I mean, it's cool, but it's just tough because I grew up in Huntington Beach, born and raised. It's, it's so tough to leave, but it's just getting so congested here and, yeah. and so busy. It's like, it's five o'clock traffic all the time now. Like, I remember being like, like 16 and going, Ooh, don't get on the 405 at four o'clock to 530. You could be in real big traffic. Now it's like one o'clock, <laughs> if that. I mean, it's like any time. So and they have great golf courses in yeah. Vegas. Paiute's my favorite course out there. Okay, I've never played there before. It's it's like off ninety five. Like if you were going to head towards Reno, and it used to be in the middle of nowhere. I mean, it's been so developed now. It's like really close to like uh, you know Summerlin population now. But it's Indian land, Paiute Indians. You just drive down this road, and it's in the middle of nowhere, and it's like the three most beautiful courses you'll ever see. And there's no casino. There's no hotel. You literally have like the pro shop. There's like a gas station just down the road that you can stop and get a drink at. And that's it. And it's just like, it's beautiful out there. And I think it's one of the best courses out there. Is that right? I'm gonna, we're yeah. we're going to have to do a, a podcast trip. Yeah. And there golf. You go. Jake, you golfing? Uh, I might as well if I get one of your putters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was curious. I know you're doing putters right now. Is there yeah. any other clubs that you're thinking of in the future? Like golf clubs? Yeah. No. It's just, um, it's so much work. Like milling yeah. a head takes an hour and a half, almost two hours for one head. Yeah. There's like three operations. So you've got to like, you mill this side, then you got to flip it and mill this side. Then you got to mill the neck and you gotta, the neck's going to be this way. And then it's going to have to put the hole in it. It's so much work. And I sell, you know, anywhere from 850 to, you know, 1500 bucks. Yeah. 
a wedge is a wedge is a wedge, right? You're going to get 150 bucks for it, which is way expensive nowadays. Like wedge, I went and looked at wedges. It is $179 for one wedge. It's ridiculous. There's just no money in it. Okay. And, yeah. and I'm just so particular. I would really want like cool wedges with all the stamping on there. Yeah. But I'm not going to be like, here's your three wedges. $3,000, please. <laughs> Good so I, I just don't see it happening. Um, and I'm busy enough as it is with the putters. I mean, it's, it's a lot of work. There's days where I just have to like stop and like go do something else so I don't get burned out because it's it's a lot of work. And and especially somebody that I mean, I didn't go to school for like machining or anything like that. Like I have an engineering background. So yeah, I'm learning on the fly. I had a guy that was welding for me in the very beginning and um, he just like up and retired one day. Like the, the pandemic really scared him. He was an older guy. He'd been like welding for like 60 years, you know, since like he was a kid with his dad. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm done. This is the last day. And I was like, I got like fucking 10 putters I was going to bring into. He's like, this is it. He's like, don't worry. You can do it. Just go buy a machine. You'll teach yourself. And I was like panicked, like super panicked. But eventually I I did start welding. And once you understand how it works, it's not that difficult. And um, I think I actually welded the necks a little better than he did <laughs> after I started getting into it. And I get a lot of compliments. Oh, your welds are so good. And um, it's it's so funny because it's just you've got this thick piece of metal and then a really thin piece. So you've just got to learn not to burn through the top part. People have a misunderstanding of what welding is. They, they think of soldering, right? Oh, you're going to heat the metal up and you're going like, to glue it together. But that's not how welding is at all. I TIG weld. You're literally liquefying the metal and then adding rod to it to like join it together. So the putter is now one piece. It's not just like, you know, brazed on there. Like brazing is another type, you know. You're liquefying the metal. And if you don't know what you're doing, you liquefy the whole damn putter, you know, like burning through the, the, the face or something, which I had done, or burning through the neck or just blobs of metal everywhere. It's like it was definitely a learning curve, but I, I was just learning on the fly. And I think that that's what makes mine a little more unique is – I'm just so into it and so particular about it that it's like I've cut necks off because the weld looked like shit. Cut it off. Start over. Grind it down. Bam, bam, bam. Oh, that one looks better. Okay, good. Okay. Move it to the side. It's so, an art. It sounds like it it's, really a, it's is. an art. It really is. And and we had to explain that to some people every once in a while because they, well, how long is it going to take to get this putter? Well, it's like six to eight weeks. It doesn't take me six to eight weeks to make a putter. I've just got other ones in line. But when I say I'm working on yours now and they're still hassling me, oh, I got a tournament. I want to play. And I'm like, listen, this is a piece of art to me. Mm. You want me to rush it? I will. You want me to get it done today? I'll get it done. But if you just give me two days, give me another couple days to really make it like badass, it's going to be the best putter you've ever had. Okay. That's all you had to say. Yeah. You, you're, you're an artist. I get it now. You're like, listen, do you like making one putts? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to make a lot of one putts yeah. with this putter. Just give me some time. Well, as someone that's a casual golfer, it's, it's if someone's like, I, yeah, I need that putter to play in a tournament. I mean, I wouldn't want a new putter that I haven't used before to use in a tournament, right? You'd want to work with it a little bit before you play with it. It's it's an interesting thing because I'm like notorious for like putting with a new putter every week. I, the <laughs> one I've got in the bag right now, I've had for three months. And that's like the probably the longest I've ever had a putter in the bag. It's going to be on restriction because it's pissing me off a little bit. It's just, it's, just, it's me obviously, but um, that's like the down part of like making these, these putters is I'm like, I'll just make a new one. I'll just make a new one. Fuck it, right? But 
in reality is if you play with a blade, you play with this style of putter, you, you're familiar with it. You play with a plumber's neck, you know you've got the toe hang at 45 degrees, you know the weight is going to be the same. So you can go into it like that. Really what it is, when you when you have something custom like this, it's got your name on it, it's got your kids' names on it maybe, it's got a birth date on there, your dead family, something like that. There's just this specialness that comes with it and adds this huge confidence I get people, this is the best putter I've ever putt with, you know, and you're just like, that's great. But it's just this real big confidence of like, I love the fucking Lakers. I got a Lakers logo on there. You know what I mean? Like things like that. And you're like, this is the best putter ever because of that. So it is a big mental game to having something made for you. 100%. Yeah. 100%. So that, so you could put a Suns logo on there? Anything. You don't care? I don't, yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's trademark issues, but. <laughs> Nobody's gonna know. I'm big, but not that big yet. I'll get a cease and desist. Eventually, you can. Okay, we won't make it anymore. Yeah, you yeah. So got the one though. You gotta take that one putter I mean, away from that guy. They're gonna make us destroy it, right? He can take it out of my dead hands. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just did one for the. Uh, um, what was that team? I know you told Sacramento. Me. Oh, you did Kings? For the Kings or the no basketball? Kings. Basketball, yeah, that's Kings. Kings, yeah. You could tell I'm not a basketball yeah. fan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just did a Kings logo. They came out oh, okay. Yeah. So you can. Nice, yeah. nice. I just went to the Suns game, so I'm a little fired uh, up. They just beat the Clippers. <laughs> We're up 3-1. <laughs> they didn't beat them in four games, but... Damn, Booker hit three threes today. Did he? Yeah. I was telling my dad that it didn't seem like he was hitting any threes. Uh, yeah, he, we lost that one by half a three. Oh, that's a bummer. But that's another story. He really flies them out there. Well, speaking of learning, you were talking about learning on the fly. Yeah. You, you kind of... Th- just like slid it in there. Nobody noticed. You have a pilot's license? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've done a lot of stuff in my life. And it's it's really because I just get bored. I'm the kind of guy that if I do something, I want to do it the best I can. I want to master it. And so I was doing things and like, well, I've done it. I want to move on. Okay, I've done it. I want to move on. Really what it was, I was a graphic designer Um and self-taught again. And so I put a lot of work into it. I worked for some good companies. I worked as creative directors. I worked as art directors. And really, I was just tired of being in front of a computer all day. And I loved playing Flight Simulator. And I was good at it, I felt like, right? You like think you know. So when I was 26, I said, I'm going to make a career change. I'm going to go to flight school. It's like an academy. And I went to Arizona and I moved there for a year. And um, yeah, I knocked out every license I could get, private, private multi, private instrument, commercial single, commercial multi, commercial instrument, all the things I needed. And um, they guaranteed us these airline jobs like out, like air, well, interviews really uh, in 2000 To be a pilot like with a commercial airlines? Yep. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they would, you know, uh, um, they gave you, got, you know, there were a lot of regional airlines back then. And uh, I got out of school right in 2008, right when the economy tanked. And they like the school, like literally gave us money back. They're like, we can't get you these interviews. There's no point of doing the CRJ training. Here's $5,000 back. Good luck to you. And I know guys that never flew a day after that. They never got hired anywhere. Um, I took a shitty job like fueling jets and like getting like coffee, ice and papers at uh, signature flight support in out of John Wayne. And, um, it was very grunt work-esque, you know what I mean? But it kept me in the industry because I knew if I left the industry and did something else, I would lose my interest in it. 
And so I worked there for just a few months. And um, this guy came in in a, a, a Citation Bravo 550, which is like an eight passenger private jet. And uh, he was single pilot. And I said, uh, uh, you flying single man operation? He goes, yeah, just for the short ones. And I said, well, if you ever need a right seat, I got a commercial license. Thanks a lot. And I was like walking away. And he's like, what are you doing on Wednesday? I said, nothing. He goes, you don't work here? I go, I'll, I'll, no, I'll, I'll quit. What, what do you got? <laughs> like, what is it? He goes, I'm flying to uh, South Carolina. I need a right seat. And I said, well, uh, of course, I'm in. You know, I've never flown in a jet before in my life. And um, there's just this niche relationship you have to have with your pilot, co-pilot in the private industry because you're together all the time. Not only in the air, like you got the one credit card, you're going to dinner, you're going to lunch, you're going out to bars. That's just the way it is. You've got to really get along with this guy. And he was uh, this young Italian guy, like full thick accent and everything. And um, he goes, we're going to fly them to Scottsdale. They're going to like the Gator Bowl or whatever was going on there. We went to it. I'm like, oh, shit, this is this is cool. We got like tickets in. Then we flew to like Oklahoma to fuel up and then to South Carolina. And we sat there for like four days and I'm like in this jet. And I'm going, holy shit, this is like the simulators I'd been in. And, and uh, <laughs> it was awesome. And but when we were in Scottsdale, like he like the first night we were together, he's like, so what do you want to do? I was like, oh, I don't know. You know, what do you usually do? He goes, you want to go to strip club? <laughs> he's like testing me. Right. Like, of course, I go. Fuck yeah, let's go. Let's do it. He was testing me to see how comfortable we could be together. Yeah. And so we go to the strip club and we go to the bar. We're drinking, have a good time. And then we flew out the next day. And then I flew with him for four or five years uh, and got typed in that aircraft. And he would fly a leg and I would fly a leg. And um, they ended up, we went to Dallas all the time. And uh, little did I know they were moving the company to Dallas out of California. So that's why we were going there so often because, you know, your first few trips to Dallas are fun. You're doing touristy things. And then all of a sudden you're just like trying to sleep in as much as you can to like waste the day, then go to lunch, then go people watch it like the mall and then go to dinner and start drinking. You know, it's like, that's what pilots do. It's like, it's, it's very boring after a while. I got to fly on that private jet. He did. Did you? So I used to always hit up Brandon whenever I went to Vegas. I'd be like, hey, I'm in Vegas because I knew he went a lot. So for like 10 years, we'd only see each other. It felt like in Vegas. Like (laughs) we both went a lot. And he's like, oh, I'm actually flying in there on Sunday. I can give you a ride home. And I'm like, bullshit. He's like, no, I swear to God, I can give you a ride. We were dropping off the passengers there and we were going to fly back to John Wayne. And I was like, yo. If you could be at the airport in 45 minutes. So I'm with a group of people and I am I was supposed to get drive back with them. And I'm like, I'm going to fly on a private jet. And they're like, OK. And I'm like, I kept texting Brandon like, dude, my ride is leaving. Like, I have no way to get back to California. If <laughs> He's like, dude, I'm telling you. So you go to the private part of uh, McCarran. There's no security or anything. You just literally walk in and I'm. he's like, go wait in the little lounge area. And I'm sitting there and he walks in. He's like, hey, what's up? You ready to go? I'm like, yeah, like, what do we do? He's like, we just go get on the plane. We're leaving. <laughs> and like, I think you guys had to feel up or something. Yeah. So it took like 15 minutes. But yeah, got on the plane. And uh, did he let you take off or land? So what's funny about that trip is I needed to like update my training in that airplane. And so I don't think I ever told you, but he failed one of the engines on on uh, departure. <laughs> when Chris was on the flight. Yeah. No, I didn't know that. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, I wouldn't tell anybody that either. He didn't fail it. He just throttled it back. 
But oh. jets are so powerful, and especially something like that where the engines are on the back tail. So it's not like you're not like out here and out here where it's going to start pushing and yawing the airplane. I didn't even notice that he failed it. And then all of a sudden I'm like seeing like the like the light blink. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I was like, oh, crap. And he's like, oh, yeah, engine failure. You didn't notice? And I was like, no, I didn't. He's like, that's the great part about this jet, man. We're just going. So I did the procedure with him, like what I would have done. And um, so this doesn't happen often. This is not what's that it, engine that, failure? That a fit. Well, yeah. I well, you said it's not an engine failure. He just like went too. He far. throttled it back. No, no. no. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm he I'm went. on the throttle like this, and then I'm like this, right? And okay. so after we have positive rate where we're safe, he just draws one back. Okay, throttles it back, and then he he, he did that it. too much. <laughs> no, no, he no. did that too much in the in the engine. No, no, no. no. He's simulating a failure. Gotcha. He's taking all the okay. power out, okay, okay, out, of, okay. out of that engine. Okay. But it's they're so powerful. We're just like, we're fine. Yeah, yeah. And so we did, I did the little merge. Oh, this is what I would do, blah, blah, blah. And then he's just like, okay, we're back. And then we flew back. And then I didn't notice. I Chris, like, is, I'm Chris on is in the back like this. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm on out. a fucking private jet. Like, <laughs> they, you know, it, it's so what, an eight seater. So it was yeah. pretty big. It's not like one of the huge ones, but it's also not like a little like Cessna or anything. It was dope. Yeah. That was like fucking one of the coolest experiences, like walking out there, getting on the plane. I didn't want to. I wanted to look like because I didn't want to like embarrass him with his uh, with the pilot and be like, hey, take my picture in yeah. front of the plane and shit. So I just played it cool and got on. I got. I, got, I would too. I, I would have acted like I was yeah. the shit. I would have like looked for people. <laughs> yeah, I I'm did. getting on the airplane. I did get a video of him landing. I think yeah. it's on my. Remember, I, it's I on my the, Facebook. I flew yeah. the entire leg back. Yeah. yeah, it was a great landing. Oh, too. and the best part of that too. So you land, and then I'm like, okay, so we got to go walk to his car. No, the fucking they pull your his. Uh, you had like a suburban at that time. The suburban's just waiting for us, like nope. right there. Just go get in the suburban. My friends were driving back. They left like three hours before me. And I was living with two guys and that went and I'm at home just laying on the couch for like another two hours until they got back. They're like, you're already back. And I'm like, Dude, I've been back for like 35 hours. Minute flight. Yeah. There's no terminal shit. There's no like we ask we ask for like direct two things. So we're not like airlines have to follow a pretty good procedure. Then they get shortcuts, too. But it's like 35 minutes. I mean, 30 minutes, really, if you if we hum it, you know, and um, yeah, we were like, can we go direct here and direct here? They're like, yep. And we flew a visual in, so I didn't even do an instrument approach. I just like was hand flying the airplane in. That was, that was Good cool. landing. He's we, have, we got yeah. video of it. Yeah, if I can get the um, figure out the editing, if we can go video for this, I have that video, and yeah. like we can, I could splice it in here. So, well, yeah. all right, your first task. God, on the, on the video <laughs> editing. And Jake, our first purchase, if this podcast makes it, yeah, a jet, yeah. private jet, <laughs> only costs about nowadays. Probably two million a year to run. Oh, we might be able to do oh, that to now. Run? No, to, no, no. I'm not saying <laughs> two million to buy the plane. At the I'm end talking of the about year. to maintain the plane. Just to maintain it. Two million. That's a yearly expense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. How much is the actual plane? Like ten. That plane, I think they sold for three million. Okay. It was an older Bravo. Like right now, they have like like the CRJ like two, three, four. Like that's like the newer version of this airplane. Yeah. That plane was a like a workhorse, dude. That, you know, like straight wing. It didn't have swept back wings, so it wasn't as fast and missing an engine. <laughs> <laughs> you said it's two million a month. No, a year. Oh, a year. Okay. Because you got to take into consideration all the maintenance. Okay. The fuel cost is really what it is. Pilot salaries, all that stuff. Okay. I mean, I think back then, you know, we're talking at least ten years ago. 
I mean, when would it, I put that on Facebook, and I didn't get on Facebook till fairly late. So maybe 2008, 2009, yeah. 2010? No, I, it was probably 2010. Okay. So back then, it, it was about a million to run that plane. So I'm not sure if it's doubled in 10 years, but it's, you know, the fuel cost is so high right now. It's like, it's crazy. We could turn our 20K into a million and then, <laughs> and then buy and, and then blow it on an airplane. Rent a plane for a year. <laughs> for six months. Yeah. We can get six months of maintenance on this the is, plane. This is, a, this is a business opportunity. What people do is they buy the plane and they use it and they charter it. Yeah. And then, yeah, so they give it, it to a charter company and the charter company flies the shit out of it and makes you money on it. And they're making money too. There you go. And yeah. it just says you bet smart across the, t- <laughs> the plane. <laughs> That's great. Well, good old days. The marketing, the marketing guy over here. <laughs> yeah. Is that, is, that a, is that a smart buy or a dumb buy? Well, Probably a dumb unless buy. you're traveling a lot. If you travel a lot, it's like the way to go. It'd give I mean, us more really reason is. to travel. We used to, we could fly anything you want. Like we went to Texas and I'm like, let's take our guns. And we're like ARs in the fucking back. And we're just like, let's go shoot them now. When we finally moved this guy who was this millionaire who owned the airplane, we're unloading all the shit out of the out of the car. Anything that probably didn't go like in a truck to get to Dallas, like came with him. And he goes, uh, be careful with that bag. It's pretty heavy. And I go, hmm. you right. He's a dick. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, whatever. And I grab it. And I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> what do you got? Bricks in here? Not even thinking about it. He goes, oh, yeah. gold bars, dude. Uh, hundreds of pounds of gold bars and i'm just like holy shit i'm carrying like this is a million dollars in gold in my hand right now whatever it was and i'm in the front cockpit and i told the other pilot i'm like this is our chance we we decompress the plane we put the oxygen masks on yeah we ditch the plane they think it went down we take the gold we're gone dude (laughs) but you can take whatever you wanted on there that's a great plan yeah Man, man, putters, uh, Vegas stories. I mean, you got it all. A pilot's license. You also wrote a book, The History of the Baseball. Yeah, two. You, you wrote two books. Well, it's one's a National League, one's an American League. They definitely could have been in one book. But the marketing part of me said, I could make double <laughs> Why not if I made two, two books. <laughs> the books were on... Um, what the game balls used in professional games since 1879, like the development of the real National League back then and American League in 1901. And so what it was, somebody gave me like a 1942 American League William Heritage president ball. And I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. And it looks just like it's a baseball. You know what I mean? But it's this is 60 years old. I'm going to get one from every era thinking it's like an easy task and it certainly wasn't in fact there was no guide to what existed and so i started doing the research back then i'm working as a freelance designer so i'm just at home all fucking day doing nothing i'm like i'm gonna dedicate myself to like really researching this and then someone's like you should write a book and i'm like same thing as the puns i'm like ah, I don't write a book you know what i mean but really because i was a graphic designer and all that i had the ability to lay something out and uh, i said all right i'll start to do it the research that it took was like insane. I mean, it, it, there's so many balls and the variances and the, and the variations of like, this is a 1948 and this one's a 1949. And the reason it's a 1949 is because they moved that patent text up about an eighth of an inch over that logo. And I started figuring all this stuff out based on like uh, World Series baseballs is a good way because you've got the whole team signed. You know, they won in 1947 or something, 48, whatever it is. So you know that that's that ball and you try to find multiple examples of it. And then I just started doing the research. And then all of a sudden I was like the go-to guy. Like I'm on forums and they're like, ask Brandon, ask Brandon. And then I get a call one day and it's like, 
hello, this is Tom. I'm the senior curator of the Baseball Hall of Fame and Museum. And I'm just wondering if you could help me out and try to date some baseballs that we have here. And I'm like, absolutely, right? So I wrote these books. It gave very specific descriptions of why it was that year and and how I came about it. And then like what it's worth, different conditions, all that stuff. So like grading it like a card, but a baseball. And so I built this for these collectors and it went a totally different way. All of a sudden, people were looking at their Babe Ruth signed baseballs and going, hey, this ball says in your guide that it was made in 1954, but Babe Ruth died in 1948. Oh, and right. I go, oh, got a fake ball then. Sorry. Oh, and they go, no, no, no. You must be wrong. I go, I'm 100% right. <laughs> All of a sudden, I'm on the news in like Vegas, right? right? I go I go out there. I bring baseballs because, you know, the guy that was on Pawn Stars who was authenticating everything, he's a fucking idiot. Like he, he <laughs> was authentic. I've met him. I can, he, I can back that up. <laughs> he was, I can't remember his name. Um, I don't remember. God, I met him. guy, right? I met him oh in a God. pool. No, I, my guy wasn't redhead. He was a little bit overweight and older. And I met him at a pool at a Vegas club. Oh. So oh. this right. guy was like the go-to guy in the okay. early episodes. And he mm. would authenticate anything. And I'd be watching that show and I'm like, this is like madness. Like I, I'm like calling over there to go, this guy is authenticating things and then not authenticating things that are definitely genuine. Like he doesn't know what he's doing. So I got on the news out there. My name is being thrown everywhere as like the reason why all these rich people are like, what the fuck? I got these fraudulent baseballs. So the books come out hall of fame. I, I make, I make a trip out to the hall of fame. I'm holding things that like you dream about. Like I've held like the bat that Ted Williams hit his last home run with and like retired. Right. I've held that bat. I had gloves on and I'm holding it like this. And uh, the senior curator is like, Brandon, that's not how you hold it. <laughs> and I went, and I'm like, I go, I'm like this. And I go, <laughs> and I'm swinging Ted Williams' bat in the fucking Hall of Fame basement. And I'm going, this is unbelievable. Babe Ruth jerseys, baseballs of every Hall of Famer, hundreds of them. I mean, of each of these guys. Like baseballs, that, like Christy Mathewson, things that don't exist in the, in the memorabilia industry. Oh, yeah, we got 18 of those. And you're just like, it's like unbelievable. I've held the Wonder Boy bat from The Natural. I've touched Gina Davis's costume from A League of Their Own. I mean, the things that are in this off are unbelievable. So the books come out, and now nobody calls me anymore because they have all my knowledge. FBI has copies of my book. All the auction houses, all the authenticators use them. The Hall of Fame uses them. The Smithsonian uses them. Um and it's just, it was just all this fraudulent stuff. Like now they're dating the balls accurately and they're going, wow, this one was a Ty Cobb that we thought was from his late days, but this is really from this era or something like that. So it was really cool. And um, it was a good experience. And I, I made a couple bucks on the books. I still think like, randomly, like this is what will happen. We'll talk about the books right now, historyofthebaseball.com. And tomorrow I'll get like a few orders in. Like won't get orders for a while because they've been out so long. And then somebody will talk about it or like, oh, you need to go do this. And then also I'll get a bunch of orders. So it's kind of funny. That's crazy. You should do the history of the putters next. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But we don't want to find about find out about the fraudulent putters. (laughs) History of the baseball dot com. Yeah. And then Brandon Matthew putters. Yep. It's Brandon Matthew dot com. Brandon Matthew website. Instagram is at Brandon Matthew putters. I'm going to I'm going to hit you up for one of those putters. I have a uh, we had a fantasy basketball 
controversy that happened and I ended up winning the tournament, but, or the tournament, the league, but, uh, we're doing a golf We're we're, I, there's a little bit of a controversy cause I may have cheated to win. <laughs> <laughs> if I explain it to you, you wouldn't may have. cheated. I may have. It's still up in the air. A rules violation or no. a cheat? I mean, that's oh, the- <laughs> that's a great that's a great question. I mean, you it's can not a rules. Break the rules. Well, it wasn't an accident. <laughs> <laughs> Foot but, wedge, it, huh? but it was also not a rule violation. Uh, so that's what makes it a controversy. Mm. So we're de- we're deciding who. We've already decided all the other things about the league, but we're deciding who we're going to put the name on the trophy by playing a round of golf. Oh, there you go. So maybe I need to grab yeah. one of these putters because yeah. I'm I'm a blade putter th- guy. That's that's my that's my putter. So yeah. I want to try out these I, I, mallets are for amateurs. It's such a scam. These mallets. <laughs> I mean, I'm not no offense to anybody that plays um, a mallet putter, but it's like, oh, I want this mallet because it's face balanced. It's not. Maybe some are. But I, I look at like one guy had like this one putter and it had this little slant neck. Guy. He's like, yeah, it's face balanced. I'm like, that has like more toe hang than a blade putter like you're completely wrong about what this does so these pros start playing them and then everyone's like i gotta go out and get it but if you watch the good putters they always go back to their roots the blade it's just the feel of it the look of it i mean who wants to put something that big behind the ball and like like then you start thinking about like you stop thinking about hitting the ball and making a putt you're thinking about oh i'm gonna line it up this way i'm gonna make sure it's this and this and this and all of a sudden you forget what you're doing really i've actually always felt more control with a blade like when when i have like a mallet it feels like i maybe it's this has something to do with like the way that my putting stroke is but i feel like the top always comes in with a mallet the Mm. weight of the top of the mallet comes in and then i pull the putt so with a blade i feel like I, i have more of like a smooth stroke it just depends on um, on what kind of neck you have. So uh, a standard plumber's neck like this has about 45 degrees of toe hang. And when I say toe hang, when I balance it like this, that would be balanced, right? Perfectly. When I let it go, wink, toe hang. 45 degrees right there. The point mm-hmm. of that is most people have an arc on their putt like this, right? Like an arc. So when you're open like this, that weight will swing closed at impact, making you square again. Now, me, I have a very straight back and straight through putt. Um, so you don't want something that's going to close at impact. I think that's what my putting stroke so is. So you too. can do a long neck. So this line right here determines your toe hang. The line from the shaft to the top line of the putter. So right now, it's down here. That's what's creating the toe hang. If I had a long neck and it was up here, now it's aimed more towards the middle, and that's going to create the balance. Mm. Nobody has a perfectly straight backswing. I always recommend at least five degrees of toe hang, but some people just want it perfectly flat. Some people even want toe up like this. So mm. it's it's really beneficial to get fitted, to understand mm. your stroke, to see what you're doing, and then we make the putter based on that. If you really have a big arc, you're going to want a shorter neck that has about 60 degrees of toe hang. So there's really something. I mean, there's a science to putting. And with the technology now, you get it like on a Quintex system. Um, one of my friends locally uses one. And it's like, it's unbelievable. Like the numbers you get out of this. It's, oh, when you hit the ball, you were 0.04% closed. And you're, you were here. And then you were here. I mean, it's like, it was crazy. Like the numbers you get off this thing. 
that makes so, that makes sense because I mean all my irons and my and my uh, woods are I went in yeah. and I had them all like everything was measured. So why not do that with the putter? You don't do it with the you and don't it's do the with club the putter. you're using the most. And and it's the most significant putter yeah. for your score. Right. So it only makes most sense. Most of the time, you know, um, somebody that shoots in the eighties, let's say, they're they're putting they're having about thirty five to forty putts. That's high. You should be around like twenty six, twenty eight. That's good numbers. Twenty four is great. So think about that. Out of all your strokes, almost half of it if not more, is on the green. Like, mm-hmm. why not get fitted for it? And the funny part about all this shit is, I'm not paying $1,000 for a putter. Oh, I just got this new driver. It's $699. Six months later, got another new driver. 699 bucks. They pay and pay and pay for all this other crap. But the one club that they'll probably hold on to the longest, they don't want to pay for. Some people. I've kind of fizzled out that group of people as a customer base. The people that thought 500 bucks was heavy or expensive, um, they don't even look at my stuff anymore. Maybe they do as like a fan, but um, there's a, they, I definitely stepped up a clientele base and they expect to pay at least a thousand bucks. Most people say, I've got a budget of $2,500. What can I get? And, and I'm not going to rob them. I'm not going to be like, oh, I can get you this blade putter. If I sell it for a thousand bucks, it's a thousand bucks. You want to get two? Let's do two. I'll give you a deal. So a lot of guys do that. A lot of guys buy two. Or three. I've got customers that I've got guys that have fifteen of my putters. They collect them. They've become collectibles now, and wow. um, that's like the, the baseballs. Best, that's the best thing. And you know, it's like golf. I mean, people love. Um, I like golf. In golf, people love to buy shit, coins, ball markers, head covers. There's a whole group of people that collect just head covers. They got a wall of head covers. So why not putters? It's the most important club in your bag. I think it definitely is. Brandon Matthew putters. Yep. What's the social media again? Brandon Matthew putters. (laughs) At Brandon Matthew putters. I I nailed it. (laughs) The website, BrandonMatthew.com. Two T's in Matthew. M-A-T-T-H-E-W. BrandonMatthew.com. Two T's in Matthew. You, you want to hang around for the, the rest of the show? We go, we, it probably only takes like 10 minutes. I like to gamble. <laughs> I love to gamble. I do a little bit of sports betting. And you know what really pisses me off? Not to get into your segment now. I had Kepka to win the Masters. And I had a bet on him that would have paid me 3500 bucks on a $100 bet only. And I'm like, because he's out of the world rankings, they were, they were putting him down. And I'm like, this guy's a fucking champion. Like, he knows how to win majors. And he for three days, I'm going... You got it. I'm, I'm, this is the doors closed. The weather, man, the delays. I think it really jacked him up a little bit. And also he was going up against Rom. Like Rom's a, a champion. Yeah, but too. at one point was, he had like a six shot lead. I mean, he, the yeah, Masters, yeah, yeah, yeah. he, he played so he badly on Sunday. He didn't play he, good on Sunday. I, I, I mean, okay, Rom won. Rom played great. Don't get me wrong. I think Kepka lost the, the Masters. I think that he gave it away. Because he, yeah, you're right. Because Rom finished at like 11 or 12 under and. Kepka was at 12 under he was at, like at thir- some point 13, 13. At point and okay. then he's down I think he ended at like seven yeah he did you're right he did lose it yeah I had Fitzpatrick and he won the next week after yeah. that so yeah it's golf is, when, golf when, is so me a lot I mean you know you play it's so hard I mean yeah. people go how does this pro do that and you go have you ever played when golf you play before? golf and then you watch them on TV you're like Holy shit, those guys yeah. are good. I shot 72 last week, and today I shot 79. And I should have shot 69 last week. I made like a double bogey on 16. And I go, well, I'm going to go out there today and shoot 68. And then like I double bogey one, 
I bogeyed two and I'm just like parring out and I'm just like, what the fuck, right? I was driving the ball like amazing today and then I would go up there and duff a wedge or I'd pull the wedge or I, you know, just want to make putts and it's just, it's a hard game. So it's so hard to gamble on. Like I do DraftKings every week, pick six. Do you? We, we, me and Chris just got into this. It's yeah. the best ever. It's so frustrating because like the first day, all your guys are maybe doing good and you're like, I'm going to win a million dollars. This is it. And then the next day you're like, this motherfucker shot five over. Like, what do you, how do you shoot 65 and then 74 or 75? You're like, what the hell? That's what happened to me you this just week. Just no golf. So <laughs> I was like and, texting and, and pictures it, to Chris and his brother. <laughs> like, look, I'm 200th out of 50,000. Yeah. And then the next day, I'm if you out lose of it. one guy, you're done. Yeah, the yeah, most you I've need ever everybody. Won, I think I won 150 bucks on time. But I won. I, I consistently win like 25. I'll get my money back quite often. And I usually pick the winner, but it's the low budget guys that I always pick wrong. With. You got to have everybody do it. And well, when you're doing the million dollar ones, it's a lottery. Yeah. Uh, there's a there's a secret to DraftKings where you can make some money where you can find like the minus one ten bets. But yeah. you got to sign I up usually, to UBets card to figure out what that is. I usually play the bigger like buy-in with the lower amount of guys. Um, but I tell you what, if you're listening and you want a player to play badly, get my DraftKings picks. Cause like I'm, I curse guys. I had, <laughs> I picked Colin Morikawa for this one tournament. He had never missed a cut. He's coming off of like wins, right? Never missed the cut yet. The one time I pick him misses the cut the next week. I think he won or he's in contention. And I'm just like, and I didn't pick him cause I'm like this fucking guy. Like, I'm not going to pick him anymore. Every time that I pick these guys, they tank. Poor Brooks. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, Brooks. That was <laughs> must have been your curse yeah. with Brooks. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into the mailbag. We got a couple questions from our listeners slash subscribers. Chris, what kind of questions we got? Uh, this one is from uh, one of our new subscribers, Jason. Uh, could you just go over, like, the soccer bet definitions? Because, like, today there was a three-way, and I had the same questions I had. So, like, three-way, double chance, draw, no bet. I was hoping this was a question for Jake, to be honest. <laughs> I got the next question, but I got this for Jake, so. Okay. So, soccer, uh, so three-way is just, in in soccer, they have um, one team's going to win, the other team's going to win, and then there's a draw. Since a lot of soccer games are low scoring, there's a lot of draws. So three-way just means that that one team is going to win. If it's a draw or if the other team wins, you lose. So that one team in a three-way has to win. So you can bet it three different ways. You can bet it three different yeah. ways. That's why it's called a three-way. Double chance means you got double the chance to win. So if you pick, like today we had a pick for the French League 1 where Auxerre was going to either win or draw against who are they playing i forget who they were playing i don't remember okay they were playing somebody and so if auxier wins you win if it's a draw you win if the other team wins you lose so hence the double chance what was the other one uh draw no bet i think that's what it is. draw no bet yeah. so draw no bet basically means so in baseball when you pick a team to well there's no draws in base there's no draws in other sports it's just, just in soccer hockey, just hot or not it was hockey it used to be hockey soccer yeah so draw no bet just means if it's if it's a draw, then you get your money back. It's a push. If the team that you bet on wins, you win. Team that you bet on loses, you lose. And if it's a draw, it's a push. 
There's got to be some other ones in there, but yeah, there's some. Like, there's a single game. I'll I'll, I'll do one more. There's okay. a single game parlay that we do at You Bet Smart a lot, where it takes a, it takes a a a bet where you can like um uh get a couple goals on the team. So we had one. That's what the Auxier game was in the French League one. Is we had plus two. So if they lose by one, if they draw, or if they win, you win. But it was parlayed with an over one and a half goals. Anytime that it's parlayed with an over one and a half goals, that means that it's one over one and a half for the entire game. It's not for the team that we're putting out on the bet. So I think that might be a little bit of a confusion where it's not Auxier has to either lose by one or better. And Auxier has to score two goals. It's the whole game has to score two goals. So that might be another confusion. All right. Now, now the next one. So for this was an example today. <laughs> and I was just thinking about it. So Garrett Cole, you had under six and a half strikeouts, but I could only get it at eight five. And a half. Oh, okay. So that was eight and a half. I could only get it at seven and a half. What would I, you ever suggest someone should maybe bet the over on that? Cause I've noticed strikeouts are so close. Like, they're one off, like it seems like 90% of the time. So if it drops a whole strike, would you ever consider uh, then taking the over? I would not because there's multiple things lining up to why I chose that. And I would say even at seven and a half, it would still be good. So I, if anything, I would lower the stars. I only bet it at one star. So if you don't feel comfortable with it, then just leave it. Leave it for the next day. You'll get plenty more picks. Can I have an, a follow-up question? Yeah, of course. So in this one, it was under eight and a half yeah. strikeouts. Yeah. And then one of our listeners I, had it at seven and a half. I could only get it at seven and a half. And then you're saying don't do it because seven and a half is too much? I would generally lower the stars. So if I did it at three stars, then I would say just do it at two stars. I would, okay. I would still personally take it at seven and a half. Let's say that it's at eight, under eight and a half and it's minus 110. But then it's at eight and a half... Minus 140. I would, would still Same definitely. thing? Yeah, I would still take that. Is there a certain point where you wouldn't do it? Like, let's say it was minus 190. Would yeah. you do it at that? I, I wouldn't do that personally. Okay. Not this specific bet. No. How do you know where the edge is? Because I, I know historically that I'm around 60% and I look at the line and I do the break-even percentage and then I'm looking for at least 5% of cushion from where I project him to win and what the actual line is. So so on a particular bet, would you look for like a 60% edge? So like if it's... I would say like a, a 5% edge is roughly where I want. Okay. But I mean like um, where... How do you know like where... Like on a particular bet, if it's minus 115. Yeah. And then it's at minus 140. You're like, no, it's still good. If it's at minus 150. It's a great question. Honestly, every person's... It's going to be different for, but I would just reach out. And if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to Scott or myself. And I would, I, I'm here to help anybody with, with that. Cause, um, it is different. We're, we're shopping around for the best lines and best odds. And if you're just at one sports book, you're going to continually see that you're not getting the same odds that I'm, uh, recommending. So, uh, that's why we stress having money on multiple sports books because you're often going to find a huge deviation between sports books and you can use that for your advantage. And I think that's a great point. Like we've had a uh, client reach out to us, Nick in New York, 
where there was a little bit of a discrepancy in some of the picks and he actually pointed something out to us that was really helpful for us. Yeah. And the point is like reach out to us. Like that's the thing like we love to talk sports betting. We'll do it all day long. We give out our cell phone. I'm not going to give it out on the podcast, but if you sign up, you get our cell phone. And we I love to text and talk about sports betting exactly. to to all of our clients. Yeah. So if you get a line that you don't know what it's going to be, you can just text us. Yeah, anytime. All right. I like it. For Let's limit, get for a limited time. For a limited, limited time, time until we get too big. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's get to uh, a little segment that is my favorite segment. Chris's corner. Is <laughs> <laughs> this just the recommendations? So I don't have much on. Yeah. I mean, Instagram. It's, it's whatever you want to do. Instagram gram count has doubled. Uh, I got in some one of another guy guy that gives out handicappers. Picked a bunch of smaller following handicappers and created a group that we're in now so we're all pushing each other's picks out and yeah we're getting you know way more views than we were, were before and yeah like i said we doubled our uh our uh, followers on there and um yeah twitter something funny happened real quick someone like added me into something i don't even know what it was because by the time i saw it there was like 40 responses and it was two people arguing with each other about i don't know what was it about sports betting? No. Had nothing to do with sports betting. I wasn't following these people. I don't know why my name was in there, but they were just arguing. It went about on. About you? No. About oh. with each other. Okay. And I have no clue what it was about because I can't figure it out. And it just went on all day. And I'm like, I just was right sending memes out like, what is going on? Like weird stuff like that. I have no clue what was going on on it. But yeah. That's just a little weird thing that happened on Twitter. Well, we have a lot of questions about social media and about yeah. the marketing of social media. We also have questions about prices, right? We're going to have to get Brandon Matthew back on this podcast to talk to answer all of those questions. Yeah. Chris, you uh, have any recommendations for us? Yeah, just going to recommend Vegas uh, bench warmers again. Um Scott just went on their show, the real nice guys, and they had a great conversation about NBA playoffs, but they do a uh, uh, weekly show Saturday mornings live. Everybody should check it out. Yeah. And uh, Eric might be on the show in the future. Yes. Trying yes. to get him on to talk NBA playoffs. Yes. Nice. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Brandon Matthews putters. Oh, oh, oh. No. Matthew. Oh, my God. Brandon Matthews putters. I'm so Brandon sorry Matthew I messed putters. up. It's ba okay. Everybody does it. And it's uh, it, it only drives me nuts a little bit. But. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's cool. Everybody does I'm, it. It is Brandon Matthew. I'm I'm actually glad that I said it because there's a distinction now. Definitely. Brandon yeah. Matthew Putters. Yep, that's it. No S. You gotta check him out. And I'm gonna get one, and I'm gonna beat you, Ricketts, in the championship <laughs> for the fantasy basketball. <laughs> you hear me? All right, thanks, guys. Bye. Peace.